It's good to be here at Northside Baptist Church this morning. I'm glad to see everyone that's come out. Uh, a few new faces I hadn't seen before. It's been about three or four months since I've been here, uh, but I always enjoy coming out to Northside. Uh, and uh, always enjoyed the good singing, all the special singing, and just glad that you're here. Uh, I've got two messages this morning. Uh, it was I was a little difficult to decide which one the Lord wanted me to preach, so I may preach them both. Uh, I'm just kidding. I, I, I did finally settle. But uh, when I was growing up as a young boy, uh, we went to North Acres Baptist Church where my grandfather, preacher Ed Spencer, was the pastor. Now, in that church, there was a clock that was on the wall right up there. It was set up just like this. And there's a clock on the wall. It was a Coca-Cola clock. And I would sit there as a little boy looking at that clock. And, and one thing that always aggravated me was when a guest preacher would come and he'd say, take that clock off the wall. We don't care what time it is. <laughs> and boy, I just started sinking down. <laughs> but I promise you, I've never preached more than two hours at a time. So it is good to be here. If you have your copy of God's Word, if you turn to the book of Philemon. Philemon, uh, one chapter, so Philemon 1. And we're going to look at the first nine verses, Lord willing. Philemon chapter 1, starting with verse 1. And if you're able to stand, would you please stand for the reading of God's word this morning? Philemon, starting with verse 1. And here the Bible says, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer, and to our beloved Aphia and Archippus and our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother." Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ, enjoin thee that which is convenient. Yet for love's sake, I rather beseech thee, being such and one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you this morning, Lord, just begging for your help. Lord, we can't do it without you. Lord, hide me, and may you be present and visible in this, in this service, in this message Lord, I pray today, God, that you'll just go out and your word will do a mighty work in the hearts of those that are listening. And God, I know your word will not be returned unto you void. God, it'll go out and accomplish that which you please. And Lord, we're just counting on you today. Help us, Father. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Uh, I want you to take note of the phrase that Paul uses twice in these nine verses. Uh, first in verse 1 where he says, Paul, a prisoner... Of Jesus Christ. And then down in verse 9, he says again, Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. That's what we're looking at today, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Now, as we look here, this tiny book of Philemon, a lot of people just kind of glance over it. It's very important. And Paul has written it to a fellow believer who uh, has had some trouble with one of his slaves. His slave had run off and apparently taken things from him as well. And, and, and that slave had gotten saved, apparently under Paul's preaching and teaching. And so Paul was writing this letter to, to ask for mercy upon this man Onesimus, 
the slave. And so that, that really is what the whole thing is about. It's forgiveness of those that's done you wrong and to accept those that's in the dearly beloved. The dearly beloved would be you and I, those that are Christians, those that have been saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know if you notice the theme running through those first nine verses, but over and over and over, Paul kept mentioning the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what it's all about, friends. The Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul always makes mention of that is who he's focused upon. Even as a prisoner, he makes mention that he's a, a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't say, I'm a prisoner of Rome. He didn't say, I'm a prisoner of Caesar. I'm a prisoner of this or that or, or whoever. Tom Spangler. I'm a prisoner of Tom Spangler. I'm spending, you know, 365 days down here in the pen. No, he said, of the Lord Jesus Christ, because he wants people to know, that's who I am concerned with. I'm not concerned with all this other stuff that's out there. I want you to know about the Lord Jesus. Now, Paul's uh, other dominant phrases is I was looking at the way Paul introduces himself. And you go through all Paul's church epistles, and he always introduces himself there at the beginning of it, called himself one thing or another. And basically he uses a few phrases like Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, uh, Paul, a servant of of Jesus Christ, and here, like we said, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Over in Ephesians, he also introduces himself as a prisoner of Jesus Christ, Ephesians 3, 1. Uh, so Paul, the apostle, servant, prisoner of Jesus Christ. And so he always wants to include who he is a prisoner of. Now, Paul coincidentally wrote this message from a prison. So not only was he mentally, physically, spiritually uh, a prisoner of Christ, but he was also a physical prisoner there in uh, a Rome, uh, or not in Rome, but a, a prison cell yeah, in Rome. So he was literally a prisoner, according to Ephesians 3.1. Uh, he had been arrested for preaching, actually, to the Gentiles in that point, but he was thrown in prison by the Jews, who were, of course, always jealous of Paul always wanting to shut his message down, just like the world wants to shut our message down today. Uh, the world would give anything if they could rid this world of Christians. And so they'd love to shut this message down right now. But Paul has every right to call himself as such. Now I'm wondering today, and I'm just going to say this right here at the beginning, who all, you don't have to raise your hand, just in your own heart, do you consider yourself a prisoner of Jesus Christ? Uh, do you feel that you've been arrested and you're in custody of the Lord Jesus Christ? Or perhaps you're uh, in pr a prisoner to something else. Could it be debt? Could it be uh, your job? Could it be uh, finances or, or um, things of the world? Maybe uh, things that you want to get involved in. Are you a prisoner to something else? Because I'm, I'm afraid that a lot of us are. We're prisoners of things other than the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, he, it seems that he's become second, third, fourth thought of everyone today. As we were driving through, and we rarely get to go out on a Sunday because we, we hold our services in our home, and so we don't go anywhere. We don't ever go out or anything on a Sunday, really, unless I'm preaching at, a, at another church. Uh, but it's always amazing to me to drive through Knoxville, and we drive, it's, it's quite a ways here, uh, about a 30-minute drive through Knoxville, and to see all the different people doing different things. And it's almost like it's any day of the week now, Sunday. Uh, it's like a Saturday used to be. 
Uh, people don't even consider that it's the Lord's Day, that it's the day when we need to get up and go to church. Even Christians, those that say they've been bought by the blood of Jesus, are laying in bed today as, as church starts and saying, I, you know, what are we going to do today? How about getting up and going to church? Uh, but it's become any other day. They're mowing yards. They're you know working around. They're building houses and everything else on the Lord's Day. And it just wasn't like that a long time ago. I'm only 55 years old, but I remember what it used to be like. You know, it was different. If you run out of gas on a Sunday, too bad you're not going to get gas because they're all closed. But uh, today it, it is different. I saw people hauling furniture and, and moving, and uh, all the uh, the retail stores were packed already this morning. I'm, I'm thinking, my goodness, I didn't think they even opened until 1030, but already crowds of people there. Uh, but we are prisoner. We make ourselves prisoners to a lot of things. But are we a prisoner of the Lord Jesus? You know, and, and I think it goes much deeper than this. Paul not only was a physical prisoner of Christ, he suffered many beatings. Because of his preaching, he was stoned. One time he was left outside the city for dead. And I believe that's when Paul got and went up into the third heaven and, and, and saw those things he was forbidden to tell about. But uh, so many things that Paul suffered because of his being a prisoner of the Lord Jesus, uh, mentally, physically, but spiritually a prisoner of Christ. I'd like for us to go back and look at Paul's or Saul's, you can say Saul or Paul. And by the way... Uh, Saul's name was not changed to Paul. It has always been Paul. That was his Gentile name. Saul was his, his Jewish name. Uh, the Bible just starts suddenly calling him Paul shortly after his conversion, but not entirely every time that they refer, the Bible refers to him. And so his name has always been Paul. Uh, but I want to go back to his conversion on that road to Damascus. If you'll turn over to Acts chapter 9. Uh, I love this, this chapter of the Bible. Uh, there's so much here, but when we see Saul's conversion, it's, it's just miraculous. Acts chapter 9, starting with verse 1 there, it says, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest, and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues, that if he found any in the, of this way, and those of this way means Christians, by the way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. Now, first of all, we see this, this Saul. He's a, he's a, he's a Jewish man. Uh, he's been taught by the, the greatest teacher of the land. Gamaliel was his teacher. He, he sat through seminary school up to he's like 33 years old. Uh, he knows all the Jewish laws and rituals. He's, a, if you will, a lawyer is what he's becoming. And uh, he, he's a brilliant man. He knows all these things about religion. He knows all these things back in the Old Testament and, and religion. And look at verse 3. It says, And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. Now, all this time, Saul, when he started hearing about Christians, he, he became very angry. Now, I personally believe that he was under conviction by the Lord Jesus Christ is what was causing this. And the more in conviction that Saul got, the more he wanted to fight against it. And so he, he wanted to do everything in his power to get rid of those in this way, those in the way, those that were following this Christ that's been crucified of all things. And so look at there in verse 4, and he fell to the earth. This is after the Lord there shined the light from heaven, and he fell to the earth, 
and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Now, that little phrase there, kick against the pricks, of course, it's, it's kind of like a goad that they would do it to an oxen to make him to, to work and to go. And the, the Lord is saying, this is what you've been doing. You've been, you've been kicking against the pricks, that, that hardness. And so uh, that, that right there shows us that he's been denying the conviction he's been under. That uh, this, this message of the gospel and this Lord Jesus Christ he's heard about has been convicting him and so he's, he's kicking against it. Everything in his power he's doing against that. And the Lord calls him out on it. He said, and by the way, you're persecuting me by doing this. And so it says there in verse 6, And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias... And he said, Behold, I'm here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth, and has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he's done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he's authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said to him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Did you see that? The Lord himself said, Listen, Ananias, this man's going to suffer. He's going to suffer. For my name's sake is what he tells him there. Verse 17, And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul. Do you see that? He's already calling him brother. Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, has sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith, and arose and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was straight, strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. But all that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he that destroyed them, which called on this name in Jerusalem, and came hither for that intent? that he might bring them bound of the chief priest. But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelled at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. What a beautiful story of a beautiful conversion, of a life changed forever, a man that was breathing out threatenings and slaughters against those that loved the Lord and was persecuting the Lord Jesus Oh, how a life changed in the blink of an eye, in the twinkling of an eye, in a split second, in a, in, a, in a blaze of light. 
the Lord met Saul on that road to Damascus. And the Lord saved him. You know, a lot of people say, well, I wish the Lord still worked that way. I wish he'd strike people down blind so they'd, they'd know they were saved. Friends, the Lord still works. He still works and he still saves. He don't need to strike you down to save you. You just need to believe on his name. You need to believe in the gospel. Well, Saul would no longer fall back into his pharisaical ways. He would no longer be the same man that he once was. It was almost as if Jesus had come and took a pair of handcuffs and handcuffed Saul and said, now you're mine. And Paul said, I'm willing. I'll be your prisoner. And from that point on, and there was no other place where Saul jumped off the tracks, where Paul said, no, I'm not going to do this anymore. From that moment on, he said, I am your prisoner. I belong to you. You're my master. You lead me where you want me to go, and I will follow you. I will tell people about you. I'm not the same man I once was. Let me ask you this this morning. If you've been saved, are you the same person you once were? You're the same in physical body. But I want you to know down in here, there's a new creature. A new creature in Christ. Oh, friends, we see here Saul of Tarsus suddenly becoming this man that wanted to follow God and, and be a prisoner of the Lord Jesus. So he became a prisoner of Christ, but it wasn't a bad way. It was a good way. A lot of times we think of prison, we think of jail, we think something bad, and it is down here. Uh, we, we get arrested, and, and uh, that's it. And I've never been arrested, and I pray that to God I never will be. Uh, probably one day I'll, I'll be arrested from behind the pulpit for something I've said, but uh, that would be all right. Uh, but you hear people a lot of times singing uh, these songs. There's a lot of pop songs, country songs that says, you know, I'm going, I'm a prisoner of your love. You know? uh, uh, there's one, one of them out there that said, lock me up and throw away the keys. I'm yours forever. I'm your prisoner. Yeah, until you say something I don't like, and then I'm, I'm going to escape. <laughs> uh, but listen, when it comes to the Lord, Paul became a prisoner of Christ, and it's a love story that never ended. It never ended. And it continues all the way from that moment he met the Lord on the road to Damascus all the way until he laid his head. Uh, uh, history tells us that, that Paul's head was laid over on a stump and a Roman soldier cut his head off. The Bible doesn't give us that information, but as far as we can tell, that, uh, that's what happened to his end. We know he spent the latter part of his life in prison uh, and is believed that he was taken out and beheaded for Christ. And, you know, uh, Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. He went from being a prisoner down here uh, to being in fellowship and, and, and the splendor of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's no secret, you know, I, I'm a great admirer of Paul. Uh, my wife can tell you I've, our, our house is filled with books about the Apostle Paul. I, I just enjoy reading about him. One of the things that I really, really... Uh, that stands out to me is his intellect. Um, Paul could have been anything in this world. He could have been the top lawyer that day. He could have been, uh, after his conversion, he could have went and been the, a mega pastor. You know, these people that have these mega churches <laughs> get up there and preach all the, the candy cane and sugar stick messages. Uh, they won't tell you about uh, hell. Uh, that don't go well with uh, 
the environment there. But uh, Paul could have been any of these things. He could have led a crusade throughout all of the region there around uh, Jerusalem. He could have went over into Rome and, and brought an entourage of people with him. He could have set up in those stadiums where they, they had all the games and things, and he could have had great uh, crusades there, you know, and he could have been known by all and had his name plastered all over the place and, and, and all this. But he was not concerned about any of that stuff. In fact, at one point he said, I, all that stuff, well, let's read it. Uh, over in 1 Corinthians uh, 2, 1 through 5, now, I'm sorry, Philippians 3 and 8, uh, Paul said this. He says, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. So all these things that, that uh, Paul had gained over the years before he was saved, his degrees and uh, all that. And, and by the way, I'm a strong believer in education. Um, I, I've been through Crown College. I've got a master's degree in, in pastoral theology. I've, I've got a doctorate degree from Andersonville. But all those things, like Paul says, are nothing but dung. In East Tennessee, that means manure. All right. All those things, those intellectual things, all those things I learned away from Christ, outside of Christ, I count them as nothing but a bunch of manure. That's how, how much I think about it. Now, excuse me if that offends you, but the Bible says here, and it uses a different word than what we use, but that's what Paul said he thought about it. His only desire now was to win people to Christ, to preach Christ and Him crucified. And so Paul remained in custody of the Lord Jesus and only preached about Him. Listen, 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5, that's the reference I was trying to make a while ago. He says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Friends, that's key right there. You can be the most educated person on the face of the earth, but when it comes to the Lord and spiritual things, if you don't have the power of God, the Holy Spirit that's behind you, it means nothing. Friends, I'd rather be uh, the dumbest man on earth but be filled full of the Spirit and be able to preach. I've got a long history of preachers in my family. None of them had an education. Most of them didn't even graduate from high school. But yet they preached the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a lot like those uh, apostles there that uh, they, they, they figured out they wasn't learned men, but yet here they were preaching like they were and, and saying the things they were saying. And it, it, it confused those people that were hearing them. Friends, that's the Holy Spirit. But too many people today have a desire for self-promotion. Uh, our children today, they've really got it bad. I mean, they really do. Uh, all the, the social media all the things that they have access to these days. Uh, every one of them has a phone in their hand. Uh, all of them have a computer, a laptop, or a, a, an iPad, or something. And at any moment, they can access anything in this world. Anything that you can even imagine. Some things you wouldn't dare imagine. They have access to. And, and, and so what happens now is young people are, are being forced to put themselves in a position to where 
people see them. Most teenagers, most kids today, their number one goal is to have something go viral. A video, a TikTok, uh, an Instagram, whatever it is, their desire is to get all the likes, the hits, the, the love, and they think that's what makes them happy. Friends, there's no happiness in that. Those people that like and they love and they throw all these things out there and, and, and share and all that stuff, all those people at one moment, they'll just walk away and you'll be left with nobody because that's, that's all it's good for. And so our young people, they have it, have it bad. They really do. We need to pray for them. And we need to be observant of them, those that are in your care, your children, your grandchildren, those that you're around. We need to, to pay attention. Um, man, we've been hearing a lot of people, that's, uh, these young people committing suicide over silly things like this because somebody made fun of them on social media. They didn't like their picture, and all oh, they spent hours getting the perfect selfie. They sat around, these, these girls, they'll... They'll spend hour upon hour trying to get the perfect look, thinking that's the best I've ever looked. And they post it, and if nobody likes it, they're crushed. Why? Because our focus is on self today. Self-promotion. What's in it for me? What can I get out of this? How can I promote myself? How can I get people to adore me? When it ought to be, what can I do for the Lord Jesus? If we can place our focus, our attention, our thoughts on being a prisoner of the Lord. Friends, that's forever. That lasts forever. It's not some light that will go away. It's a forever thing. And so listen, when you become a prisoner of Jesus Christ, the road is not easy. Like the Lord Jesus told Ananias, he said, uh, you know, he's got much great things. He's going to suffer for my namesake. But we want to promote ourselves. Galatians 2 and 20 says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Can we personally, honestly say that we live that way? Do we think like Paul thinks here? He says, I love the Lord so much, I'm crucified, yet I didn't die he died, but I'm crucified. I still live in this flesh, but my flesh and my life belongs to him. I'm a prisoner of his. He goes on to say in Galatians 5.24, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. And so he says, all these things that you think so important, all this self-glorification, all this lust, the sin, all this stuff, you love and desire, he said, you need to crucify that flesh. If you'll get you out of the way, you'll notice that Jesus becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 28. Paul writes to that church and he says, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. And labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I've been in the deep. 
in journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness and watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides those things that are without that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Listen, Paul could have traded all that stuff for a world of, of leisure, a, a world of, of fame and fortune. And he says, listen to this, all these things I've suffered, and I've gladly done it for the cause of Christ. And he said, not only have I suffered all that, but trying to take care of all these churches. Can you imagine what that life was like? You know, a lot of people sing that song, I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. And I love that song. But you know the furthest journey most Christians have taken for the Lord is through the parking lot from their car to the church on a Sunday? That's about as far as most people's journeys went. Listen, the average Christian... If they had to endure even a fourth of what Paul endured in his life, they would renounce their faith and give it up in a heartbeat. And I know that, that that's terrible. I mean, I, you don't want to have to hear that. But listen, it's the truth. After Paul was saved, the Lord spoke to that man, Ananias, there. And, and we read it in Acts 9 and 15. And he told him to go all the way. He said, I've made him a chosen vessel unto me. He must suffer for my name's sake. And... I've heard people say, you know, that don't seem fair to me, that the Lord would do that, all those things uh, to Paul uh, because he becomes saved. You know, I thought once you got saved, uh, everything was good. And I've heard that preached before. I've heard preachers get up behind the pulpit and say, you know, once you get saved, all your troubles are over. You know what's over once you get saved? Your fear of hell. You don't ever have to go to hell. You don't have to worry about that. Your soul is saved, and it's saved forever. If you've been saved by the Lord Jesus Christ, your soul is saved forever. And no man can pluck you out of his hand. But I want you to know, we're not guaranteed to not have to go through suffering. And if you look through the Bible and you see everyone that's ever been a vessel for God, they have suffered, and they have suffered greatly. So don't believe this garbage that all, all you got to do is just Get saved and then all your cares are over with. No, they've only just begun. Now, I'm not trying to discourage anybody from being saved. Because if you've not been saved, you're going to go to hell when you die. And you sure don't want to go there. But listen, people today are prisoners of many things. They're prisoners of money. They're prisoners of sex, drugs, alcohol, power, prestige. The list goes on and on and on of the things that people are prisoners to. And you can probably check your bank records to find out what you're, what you're a prisoner to. It's where you spend most of your money. You can look at your time schedule and find out where you spend all your time. And that usually is who you're a prisoner to or what you're a prisoner to. Listen, the truth is it's not fair that God allowed Paul to suffer like he did. It's not fair that he don't cause all of us to suffer eternal damnation is what's not fair. The Lord Jesus Christ gave his life in our place. He was our substitute. It's not fair that any of us 
should be saved. It's not fair that any of us should not suffer. We should all be suffering in hell with our backs broke. And that's just the truth. I'm so thankful that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, no, not just the uh, certain groups, not just the Jew, not, you know, not just the Calvinist, no, whosoever believeth in him should be saved. And friends, once you've called on the name of the Lord in belief in the gospel, the finished work of Christ on the cross, you believe that, and you call on his name, he will save you and save you eternally. We need men and women today that are completely sold out for Christ. There's so many wannabe, pretend Christians today. I wouldn't give you a dime for most Christians today the way they put on and act like there's something else. I'm reminded of what Jesus said to the Pharisees in Mark 7, 6. He said, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. How awful to think to spend your life claiming to be a Christian, posting Christian memes, telling everybody you go to this church and that church and you do this and you do that, and all you're doing is paying lip service. Where are our hearts today? Are we prisoners of the Lord Jesus? Can we honestly say that we're in his custody that every day when we wake up, we think, what does the Lord want me to do today? What, what, is, what it, should I be doing for the Lord? If you're not doing anything for the Lord, friends, you need to pray. You need to, you need to find out what the Lord needs for you to do and start doing it. Don't just be cruising through this life thinking, you know, I, oh, I got saved and I, I'm assured to heaven and boy, all, I'm waiting on that. I'm going to sit here on this church pew until I go on to heaven. He didn't save you just to, so you could go on to heaven. He saved you for a purpose. And that purpose is to get busy and to start doing something for him. Friends, we're left here. The Lord could easily save everybody, kill us and bring us on to heaven and not have to worry about anything, right? But that's not, that's not what he does. He saves us for a reason. And if you're ever wondering what the reason is and what his will is for your life, all you have to do is pick up your King James Bible and begin reading. Read and find out what his will is. But what about you today? Are we paying lip service? Are we being a pretend Christian? A lot of people do that. Or are you a prisoner of Christ? Are you in his custody? Or are you a prisoner of something or someone else? I'd like for everybody to stand. I want to pray with you. Brother Scott, you can come and get a song. I do want to thank everyone for their good attention this morning. But I want to ask a question here before we pray. Do you honestly feel like you're a prisoner of the Lord Jesus that you're in his custody. You don't have to raise your hands or anything. I want you to just ask yourself, are you a prisoner of Christ? Or are you allowing other things in your life to take custody of you? It could be anything, even your grandkids. Ouch, grandparents. Are you allowing them to dominate your life more than the Lord Jesus? Your family, your, your job, things 
social media? What is this taking up most of your time? Because that's who you're a prisoner to. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for the message. Lord, I've been guilty so many times of allowing things into my life, Lord, and pushing you further out. Lord, I know you'll never leave us nor forsake us, but God, that we would, those that that claim to be Christian today, those that say they've been saved, Lord, if we will become your prisoner. And Lord, and and understand and realize, Lord, we're not just here to to hold down pews. We're not here just to, to claim of being a Christian, but God, we've got jobs to do. Lord, we got work to do. And Lord, we're just praying today you help us that we'll get our focus right. We'll get our minds right. We'll get our hearts right. Lord, and these children today, these teenagers, God, we're just praying for them to help them, Lord. Lord, to realize that this, this, the things the world is offering, God, is not the answer. Lord, it's only through the Lord Jesus we can find answers. Lord, help us today. Lord, if there's one today that, that has a need, whether it be salvation, Lord, a backslidden condition, God, maybe just want to get closer to you, Lord, or some other thing that they need to, to come and pray, Lord, I pray that you'll guide them to this altar, Lord, and we can pray with them. Lord, if there's one, you lead them down here. As we sing today, Lord, help us, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have a need, as we, as we sing, you come down.